0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Look, guys, it's a grind. Starting a business is not easy. A startup's even harder. It doesn't come with an owner's manual, and we need to talk about how you're going to survive that. If you haven't been an entrepreneur, you haven't owned a business, you honestly have no idea what's coming until you actually do it. I've got an expert here to talk all about that with me today. But before we get into that and who that is, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I can probably help you stay sane when it comes to finding developers, because it is a mess out there when it comes to that. And that's what we help people do at full scale. With me today, I've got Captain Hoff, or otherwise known as Stephen Hoffman, multiple author of multiple books, The CEO and captain of Founderspace, you can go to founderspace.com. There's a link in the show notes straight out of San Francisco. Founderspace is one of the leading startup accelerators in the world with over 50 partners in 22 countries. Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine have ranked Founderspace as the number one incubator for overseas startups. They offer venture funding, corporate innovation, tours, workshops, a little and probably some good advice along the way. Stephen, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Fantastic to be here.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I like to always start by asking, uh, You know, I say no one tells a story better than CEOs and founders themselves, so why don't you give us a little bit of your own backstory?
1: Well, I will tell you, I know how tough it is to survive a startup because I have done three venture-funded startups and two bootstrap startups. And now I work with literally hundreds of entrepreneurs all around the world, helping them with their startups, like everything they go through. So at Founderspace, what we do is we run an accelerator, which is basically we bring startups in and we actually give them access to capital, resources, you know, different marketing, and open up new markets globally for them. And we also mentor them, go really deep on their business plans and really try to get inside their business and inside their heads, so that when they smack up against that wall, which we all do, especially in the early stages, you can actually get around it and and keep making progress.
0: Yeah, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to leave this out. Now you've, I, I mentioned in the intro that you've written books on the subject, one of which is called surviving a startup. You're also the author of the five forces that can change everything as well as make elephants fly, which is the process of radical innovation. Um, so, you know, just wanted to mention that as we, uh, in, embark in our conversation about this, that you have much like many of us here at startup hustle, uh, Lived, eat, breathed, sleep, dreamt, had nightmares about and probably dealt with a hell of a lot of stress along the way. So, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and start this conversation out because I think every entrepreneur has often has a zillion ideas. And sometimes it's like, which one should I pursue? Which one should I chase? But really, in the end, I think the question is, you know, should entrepreneurs start with their biggest ideas or just small ones?
1: That's a great question. So I actually write about this exact thing in my other book, Make Elephants Fly, which is all about the elephant is your big idea that Mm -hmm. you want to get off the ground. And how do you make it fly? Well, the irony is we all, like when we're starting out, think we have to have that epiphany, that incredible idea that will actually change the world. Everybody says that you go out and you change the world. That's what we say in Silicon Valley. Well, that isn't true. The entrepreneurs I see, who tend to be the most successful, actually, when they begin, they either, they don't have any idea. (laughs) They usually just are really interested in something. They are really fascinated by it, or they have a problem themselves that they want to solve, and they really focused on fixing that problem for themselves, and there just happens to be a lot of other people who need that same solution. So, I tell entrepreneurs, you know, don't fixate on an idea, big or small, like whether it's big or small, because that will trap you. As soon as you get an idea in your head, you feel like, wow, this idea is brilliant. I love it. I have to go out and sell this to the world. Well, as an entrepreneur, your job is not to sell your idea. Because what's in your head, it, it, it might not exist in the world. There might not be anybody who actually cares about it. So what I tell entrepreneurs to do is don't lock down on a single idea. Actually, pick a direction, go into the world with an open mind, and start discovering what's there. With, with, you know, you should engage with who your potential customers are even before you have an idea. Because honestly, your idea, whatever you have in head, it might be good, but they may have a better one. Like, they're the ones, without them, you have nothing. Like, you have no product unless they want it. So, why don't you go to them and figure out what they really, really need right now? And I will tell you, everybody has problems out there. The, world, the markets are always shifting. New technology is always emerging. You know, things, people have new needs every single year. Go and figure out what they are. Talk to those people. Engage deeply with them. And then your job as the entrepreneur is to actually connect the dots. Not to come up with the idea. To actually figure out where the demand is. Not the idea. Ideas don't matter. Demand matters. I often say, an entrepreneur's number one job is not to come up with any ideas; it is to discover demand.
0: So, I, I and I fully agree with you. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Like, reach out to me if you want million dollar ideas. I've got they're discarded daily, and you know, part of that is wanting to do bigger things and better things. But really, in the end, it's the execution. An idea is worthless if you can't execute it. So it kind of parlaying off your first comments and that first question of, do you start with big ideas or small ones? How do you begin as an entrepreneur to know or understand if you have the ability to execute on the dots that you've just connected?
1: So yeah, this is the other piece of the puzzle. So one is how do you get started? Which direction you go? The other is, how do you execute on it? Because execution is everything. I work with teams all the time. And I will tell you, if you can have the most incredible ideas in the world, the the CEO, the founders can have the most incredible ideas. But if their team isn't great, they will invariably drop the ball. And somebody else will pick up that ball and run with it. Because the world is super competitive. Once an idea comes into the world, lots of people have it. You aren't the only one. There's other people out doing similar things. Somebody will figure it out. And the one who can execute it right is the one that wins, not the first one to have the idea. So how do you ensure that you can be the one to execute it right? When you start a company, instead of trying to think of ideas, which I tell you not to do, spend 80% of your time up front, 80% finding the people you need to actually transform a business, right? So usually in today's world, businesses that grow really fast, businesses that I tend to work with that are venture-funded startups, they access new technology and apply it to solving problems that haven't been solved. So in order to form a team, you need to figure out who these people are. You may be a great leader. Like that's, you know, a number one qualification for a CEO. You need to find out who's great, great technical person, who's a great designer, like can actually bring a product to life. Who can go out and put together a whole marketing plan? Bring these people together at the beginning and then together start on this journey. And it doesn't have to be your idea. Remember that. Because if you don't have an idea, you can actually bond them more closely to your team because you're in it together, all of you going into the world to discover what works. You're going to go out there as a team. You're going to start engaging. Let's say you think you can improve agriculture, right? And with new technology. Well, then you as a team are going to go into this industry from the outside because it's usually the outsiders who make the big change because they they actually have an open mind they have access to resources and technologies that the insiders don't really know about they go in there and you start experimenting
0: okay so th- that's a challenging conversation for a lot of people to have though cuz and you know there's someone out there listening right now that's going so wait a minute i need to go find the best people and convince them to join forces with me on an idea that we haven't had yet it, 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 it.
1: Ah, see, this is, you You named it. Like, I get so many entrepreneurs who are like, yeah, how do I find these people? You tell me to go out and find these amazing people. Like, but if you don't find amazing people, honestly, you're wasting your sure. time. You are wasting your time. Because, you know, one person never builds a billion dollar company. Like, no matter how talented you are, you're going to need other people. So, like, as an investor, and I know this is true from other investors in Silicon Valley too, you know, we look at the team very closely. Because the first test of a great CEO is can you bring in those people, that person who could have been working at Microsoft or Google getting a six-figure salary and actually make them give that up to join you in a startup with you know, n- nothing, right? You, and now I'm telling you, you don't even have an idea to sell them on. But honestly, people join because they want to, they don't join, bec- most people won't join just because they think your idea is great. They join because they want to make a difference. They want to contribute. You, if you go to somebody and you're trying to recruit them and you're just trying to sell them on your vision, they, they, you know what they feel like? Oh, it's your vision, not my vision. The best way to bring great people into your company is say, I want to build, let's build this together. I know, and this is how you sell them. You go... I know this industry is going to be totally transformed in the next 10 years. Like there's all these new innovations and technologies and processes coming into play that they aren't taking advantage of. Why shouldn't we be the ones to do it? You, me, and we'll get other people who are really the best people we, we could possibly find. We're going to go in there as the killer team and we're going to figure this out together. That is is a better way to motivate people to join your team than trying to convince them your idea is great when you have no proof. Because if, if you had proof, somebody would have done it already. Like they would have done it. It's a new idea. You don't have proof. Don't even try to sell them on them. Sell them on the collaboration. You're going to do it together.
0: That's not too far off from the full-scale story. Because Matt Watson and I, when we had both been successful mm. entrepreneurs, we had both done multiple things that had quote mattered, at least in our world. And we knew we would do something together, but we weren't sure what. So Matt said, why don't you just sell your office building and move your office in with, with me? Cause I've got all this extra space and I, and you know i had just exited a, bu- a business and i'm sitting there thinking all right what else do i have to do uh so yeah i did and it was a few months later then we became partners on a business and that wasn't even the business that turned into what we do now so yeah sometimes you just got to you got to keep throwing stuff in the oven and and see what happens we knew that being around each other would result in ideas and we threw a hell of a lot of them away we iterated a bunch of them and then finally you kind of you do kind of can and do have that eureka moment of sorts where you, oh, wow, this could really go well. So, you know, we'll see. Um, Okay, so it's a crowded world. There's tons of entrepreneurs doing tons of different things. I mean, we've even uh, kind of circled around that. And there's, you know, you got to do it better, faster, cheaper. We, We know all those things. But I think a real question is, is, I mean, how do we make what we're doing stand out?
1: Yeah, that is the key, because honestly, if you go into the marketplace and and a lot of entrepreneurs do this, you know, you go into the marketplace, you see there's a a lot of demand for stuff, you know, products, things, people really need that. But there's a lot of competition out there and they all have pretty good products. If you don't offer something, if you offer something that's just a little better than the competition out there, you're dead before you start. Because they're already going. They already have customers. They're already building their brand. You know, they're established. They're revved up. And you're just beginning. So you're way behind. You never win by adding a feature. It's just like all of us use Gmail today. If some email provider comes along and say, hey, I have a new email and we have this cool new feature, we'd go, oh, that is pretty cool. But it just makes the product a little better. Why we would switch from something like Gmail, that's something we all understand, to a new product is there are only two reasons. Like, and you got to hit one of these two reasons. Number one, you you develop something that isn't a little better. Like, it's not a little incrementally better. It is exponentially better. It is like so much better than what you're using. Like, so much better than Gmail that it makes your life, like, it transforms your life. Like, it makes email a breeze. You hard, you know, it automatically replies, does all these things that you could not do with that application. The other thing is you do something totally different. Like, a totally different way of communication. You create a new value for your customer that they may still use Gmail, but they'll also use your communication tool in addition to it. That is how you break into a market. And unless you can do one of those two things at the beginning, you, you, you shouldn't start, like, you shouldn't start building it because you're, you're not really building anything that is going to truly get people. And there's a lot of inertia in the marketplace. Like nobody wants to switch what they're using now to get people away from what they're using now and onto your platform.
0: Yeah, Matt Watson and I have been recording a 52-part series about how to start a tech company, and we're about halfway through that. Now, this shouldn't surprise you, we're about three weeks behind on our deliverable timeline, uh, which which presents about the most reasonable and realistic expectation of what startup life is really like. But we've spent a lot of time in some recent episodes talking about Go to market strategy, and that you are basically dead in the water if you're just trying to give this. If your if your go to market strategy involves trying to pry people away from existing stuff, it needs to be three times better or three times cheaper. And that's where the conversation begins. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where it begins because people just have better things to do than try to save eight dollars a month. And that's really what it comes down to. So, all right. So,
1: yeah, I say if you're competing on pro- if you're competing on price. Too bad. Like, (laughs) don't compete on price. It's a race to the bottom.
0: Okay. So, you know, we've talked about surviving startup life and all of this stuff uh, is, you know, we're going to, I want to talk in the back half of this episode about kind of the psychological elements of that. But one thing that's certain is if you don't have your own money or someone else's money, you're either already out of money or you're getting ready to be. One of the big things that everyone wants to talk about in conversations I have on this show and off is funding. So how do you go about closing your first round of funding? And like, you know, like I said, how to survive startup life. Uh, You're not even going to get the opportunity to survive startup life if some resources don't exist eventually. And that either has got to come from revenue or investors. So what's your advice for getting in there and closing that first round?
1: Well, the venture capitalists are out there to fund startups and they have honestly more money than they've ever had. And we see it like startups are getting funded every day, like with huge amounts of money. So it's really frustrating when you're an entrepreneur out there and you're like, everybody's getting funded, but me. And let me tell you, you're not alone. Like most every it's, it's extremely hard to raise money until it's not. Like, it's either extremely hard or it's really easy. Like, there's almost no in-between. And the problem is that, well, some entrepreneurs get lucky, but you got to discount those. Most entrepreneurs get funded because they actually prove to the investors that they, that there is a real demand for their products. Until you can do this, it is going to be extremely hard to get funded. They call them venture capitalists, but they're not that adventurous. They want data. They want to be able to extrapolate from what you show them to that there is a big, high growth market that you are about to um, you know, unleash on the world. How do you go about approaching these VCs and getting them interested at an early stage, let's say, when you don't have a lot of customers, when you don't, you know, when you don't have a, a lot of traction, a lot of users going into your system? You can do this. I have some very simple mechanisms. Let's say you're wanting to raise your first angel round. What you need to do is you need to identify a problem in the world that needs to be solved. And you need to be able to take your early investors and show them the pain that the customer is in or the value that you provide to your customers. Even before you build a product, you can do this. Now, I'll give you one super simple way. Like, let's say you're doing a B2B startup. You're going to uh, other businesses. You can actually go to these businesses and then engage them, like ask them, you know, show them what you're going to build before you even build it and find out if they really need it. Now, if everybody, if all these business people come back to you, let's say you go to a hundred of them, uh, potential customers, and they all say, that's really nice. Come back when it's ready to launch. If they all say that to you, you are dead in the water. You're absolutely your startup is dead because anybody who says that's really nice, come back when it's ready, they are basically saying no. Nobody buys nice to have products. We you know, we buy products that we really really need right now. So the first thing, the first reaction you have to get to even before you even approach investors is that you have to have these customers basically telling you, "Oh my god, I want the product now. How can I get it? Can I be a beta user? What can I do? Can I prepay? Can I, you know, they, you need to get that reaction from some of your customers, enough of your customers, so that it's real proof that, wow, there are people out there who really, really, really need this and they are dying to get it. The next thing you can do is you can actually either get pre orders from them, that's one way, or you can simply videotape them, ask them, can I record, you know, a, a two minute video? of you giving your reaction, your honest reaction to what I just showed you. And then you splice all these videos together, you could bring that to an investor early on, an angel investor and show them, you know, 20 customers who are dying to get this product and then they can call up to verify. That a lot of times is enough data to get them over the hump, to get them to take the risk. Of course, when you start going out for your later rounds of funding, you need more and more proof. You actually need to show that you're growing. But in the early stages, it can be that simple.
0: So you're, you're about to be a part of an ongoing science experiment that has occurred over 700 episodes of Startup Hustle, because I know that you're involved with a lot of funding. Okay. Do you bet on the jockey
1: or the horse? So this is a great question. Um, when I am investing, I always bet on the jockey. So I bet on the CEO. If, if the I bet on the CEO because I have seen it over and over again that leadership makes all the difference. Literally, if you have a company with an a the, where the CEO isn't if put it this way, if the CEO is great, they can re, they can fix the problems. If they're not great, those problems never get fixed. The CEO can replace the horse. The horse can't replace the the, the rider.
0: That's been a 100% Consensus, which is which is crazy. Eventually, someone's going to say horse, but uh, yeah, we. I mean, we're on we're on coming up on four years of, of people selecting the jockey or jockeys, and that's you know a really important part of everything. Once again, with me today, I've got Stephen Hoffman. Stephen is also known as Captain Hoff. He's the CEO and captain of Founderspace. Go to founderspace.com. They work with a lot of people doing a lot of different things. So do we at Full Scale? And that's who today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by. So you can go to FullScale.io and let's talk about building you a winning software team and doing it quickly and affordably. All right. So I, I don't want to get I, I have one other uh, discussion. So, you know, we're talking about survival and survival occurs on a number of different things. So obviously, there's, by the way, the idea of getting pre orders, I've been saying that for years, like there's no better validator. And if people really want it that bad, that's a huge signal flare. In some cases, though, survival, future survival could also weigh heavily on your ability to know when to walk away from a funding deal. So, when, what are what are some red flags that that you've seen over the years that you know, like I, I that say, you know what, this isn't the right thing for me. It's time to move on.
1: So, do you mean the walk away from your startup or walk away from a venture capitalist?
0: from a from a funding deal?
1: Oh, from a funding yeah. deal. Okay. One thing you need to do when you go to venture capitalists and this is really important the, you know it's not about you selling them on your business it's not about them interviewing you and deciding if they want to invest in you you are much better off with the psychology that this is a marriage and i have to like them as much as they like me like i am literally when you bring in an investor especially when you put them on your board of directors they are become, it's like getting married they are becoming your partner in that business and they will have a big influence over your future and if you are at odds if they really see the business going one direction and you see it going another it's a disaster if your personalities don't match like just like you got you don't really like each other it's it's a, it's a nightmare waiting to happen so you when you go out to investors. You know to walk away if you get that feeling in your gut, like you're talking to them in your gut. Wow, this, you know, this I can't really communicate with this person. We don't really connect. Just don't take their money. <laughs> you you are not going to be happy in the long run. Also, I always tell uh, entrepreneurs, ask them a lot of questions. Interview them. Find out how they think. Really, you know, They're going to be asking you questions about your business. You should be asking them questions about their business. And you should also be asking them what they think you should be doing with your business. First of all, you can learn a lot. Like Even if you don't take their money or even if they don't decide to fund you, simply by engaging in a dialogue instead of trying to sell them, you can get great information. Like These people, a lot of investors are extremely experienced and they will see flaws in your business that you don't even see yet because they've been through this so many times. So interview them, then you learn how they communicate. This is how they're going to talk to you on the board too. So you're going to, uh, forming a dialogue with them and really going deep on your business. That is the best approach to have. And I will tell you in the long run, investors are more likely to invest in you if you actually have a dialogue with them because they like that too. They want to contribute. They don't want to just give you their money and walk away. They want to feel like they're actually building something with you. So make them your partner from the start and then look for red flags. I've already pointed out a couple, but there are other ones. So, a red flag is if the investor tells you something that you find out later isn't true, just run. <laughs> like that's that's and it. And as an investor, if an entrepreneur does the same to me, I'm I'm out of the deal. Like, like you know if they're not going to be upfront and honest with me, I'm out. So never lie to investors and, and expect a good outcome. And and if they lie to you, go. The other thing you should do is you should do some research on them. Get online. Find out the past deals they did. Call. Don't ask that. You can ask them for some references, some entrepreneurs to call. But look, if you see their portfolio of companies, what you want to find out are their loser companies. Every investor has invested if they've done enough deals in companies that haven't succeeded. They just if they tell you they haven't, they're lying. (laughs) Like if they, they have invested in losers, talk to the CEOs of those loser companies. You really find out somebody's personality, who they are, when things are going bad, like when things aren't working out. That those those CEOs will know will be more honest with you and tell you what they really think of that investor. Like I, you know, I've worked, I've been on both sides of the table. You know, on the advising side, uh, helping startups, but also I've been an entrepreneur, and I took, I made the mistake one time of taking money from an investor, and my gut said I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. It turned into such a nightmare. Like, and my lawyer. I had gone to my lawyer and asked them about this person. And the lawyer actually told me that this person didn't have that greater reputation. So people like lawyers and other people in the industry, they can give you insights into these investors. But I needed the money so badly, or I thought I needed it, that I took it anyway. Huge, huge mistake turned into such a nightmare, I gave back the money. I literally gave back millions of dollars. Like I couldn't wait to get out of that deal. So that just tells you, you know don't do it. You're not go- you're you're not going to wind up happy. Instead go into the industry, find out all the people who know this investor and start doing your homework, just like you would when you hire an a, an employee, employee or bring on a partner. Doing that can be really beneficial.
0: Yeah, in my book Million Dollar Bedroom, I point out that you before you take money and you are partnering with people at that point, regardless to who has control of the decisions, uh, it's easier to get rid of your husband or wife than it is to get rid of your partners in most situations. So it's it's, it's, a, it's beyond marriage. And you know, you'll know you see some of that occur. For me, a couple of things that are red flags is I want to make sure, it depends on what stage you're taking money in, but so many people that are listening are probably going to take angel money. It's not going to be VC related in the beginning. It's friends, family, stuff like that. I look for certain red flags. Some of the things that uh, uh, how soon do I get my money back? Uh, What's going to what's my return going to be like? These are questions in most businesses that you can't answer. And if that's the immediate if the immediate question that's being presented to you by the investor is related to how fast do I get my money back out or what are my overall returns? then you might find that you're going to be in a disappointing situation as well. So, you know, there, there's, there's a whole, we, and by the way, we have a whole lot of episodes about investment scroll through the feed and just look for it. Cause there are red flags. And like you said, I, the nightmare that can exist from getting the wrong people on the boat. Cause your attention will quickly turn to just getting them out of the boat rather than all of the other stuff that matters at the business, like growing it or building a great culture. And that can invariably all lead to your failure. Now, with that, starting a new business is a daunting task. Statistically, you're overwhelmingly looking at failure. So in you know, why, in your opinion, do 90% of startups fail?
1: I will tell you and it's not for the reason a lot of people think so a lot of people believe that startups fail because the entrepreneur gives up you know they just give up or the, or they or they had a you know bad idea or something like that or the, but the real reason most startups fail are because the entrepreneur doesn't give up they actually stick with their idea their original idea too long when things aren't working They ignore the warning signals, they ignore the data, and they just believe that they should keep charging forward. If they stick with it, if they just add another feature, if they just tried harder, if they just worked longer hours, they could make this business succeed. But I will tell you, it doesn't work that way. Like when you get a a product into the market, if there's a market there, it will take off. Like, you, you know, you get it in front of the right people, it'll go boom, like, and you will be chasing after it. If you feel like Sisyphus and you're rolling this boulder up a hill, like struggling only to have it come down on you over and over again, you need to recognize as soon as possible that this isn't working. Something about this isn't working. I need to reevaluate everything because I can tell you, it doesn't matter how hard you work. You can work like endless hours. You can actually have endless amounts of money, huge amounts of money. I've seen startups that raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, but they were heading the wrong direction. They weren't going where the market was. In the end, they, they just end up going off a cliff. So the really, really smart entrepreneurs I see literally are, are very flexible. They are always testing. They're always challenging their own assumptions, going in there and saying, whoa, is this really true? I thought this was true, you know, but is it really true? And the deeper they go and the more they do this, and great entrepreneurs will try out one thing, oh, it's working. No, 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 it's not working. Try out another thing. Oh, not working, try another thing, working, working. And then when it explodes, that's when they put all their energy into it. The, the entrepreneurs who make the mistake of sticking with it too long, they tend to associate the idea, the idea not working with their own failure. They're like, if my idea doesn't work, then I am a failure. That is not true. If your idea doesn't work, you are not a failure. The idea is, you know, your my job wife often asks me what it it I'm doing and, and I just say next.
0: science. And, uh, and, and cause it is, it's like, a, I mean, my life over the last 20 years has been <laughs> yes. a series of mad scientist experiments. Now you're, while you're busy trying to make the elephant fly, I have an elephant that I often reference and I'm looking for a crack and once I find that crack, my first priority becomes to figure out how to shove an elephant through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that that ongoing science experiment. So like I'm often trying 10 ah. different things and, and you know, like sometimes it's it's different. It, 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 it involves everything from approaches to leadership, planning, marketing, advertising, all of it. And I, you know, I, I, I find myself saying a lot, I try 10 things because I'm hoping that one say hoping that one will actually be what i need it to be now with that you got to learn to discard these ideas um i feel like i and and you know what occasionally you might discard one too early but that's okay that's part of it i think i'd rather have discarded a winning solution rather than writing 20 that are terrible hoping to hang on to that. So, you know, back into the the whole realm of survivability, when do you feel like it's time to abandon or pivot off of certain things? Like, I know we've said some of it, like the market isn't responding, but, um, you know, I think that as founders and entrepreneurs, sometimes being stubborn is what gets it done. And sometimes it's also what drives us off the cliff. So, In the the world of survivability, and by the way, that same cliff, I'll often tell you, you just need to jump off of it and then build wings. But, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to go. So what's your take on, like, when it's time to back off of something or just be like, hey, this, okay, doesn't work, next.
1: I have a very simple rule. It's so simple. Now, entrepreneurs come up to me all the time. And they're like, captain off, captain off. You know, I've been struggling on this for two years. Should, you know, should I keep doing it or should I quit? I always say, you should quit. You should quit. Because what they're doing is they're asking me for permission to quit. They are basically telling me it doesn't work. Like nobody wants, you know, most people won't even admit to themselves it isn't working. They just say, I have to work harder. I have to try harder. I have to try something else. I will get this to work entrepreneurs by nature don't want to give up nobody wants to give up you know we all want to be successful in the first thing we try but that isn't the way the world works unfortunately so my simple answer to your question is as soon as you ask yourself should I quit yes the answer is almost always yes and if you take that yes sometimes you will be wrong just like you pointed out sometimes you will quit too early but more often than not you will save yourself from sticking yeah, that's way that, too that, long. Yeah, as I as
0: as gained more experience in life, which is air quoted of getting older, I've really gone with the trust the gut, you know, and that's, and if you're, it's the same thing with employees, you know, that a lot of people will tell you that if you're thinking about letting someone go, you should just go do it because you're searching for that reason that that justification And here's the thing, you've really already made up your mind, you just haven't talked yourself into actually taking action on it. So um, I really don't have any instances in the past where I look back and I think, man, I my gut was wrong. Because it really isn't, you know, and that sounds like such a a simplistic, like unscientific, non-AB tested kind of world. But I mean, there's something about like, I'm also really wired into my business. I wake up in the middle of the night feeling like it's speaking to me and telling me something's wrong. And, you know, that's, but that's that, and that's a heavy weight to carry as an entrepreneur because One thing I can guarantee you, if you're looking at survivability and you're trying to get through the whole startup life is you are going to wake up at three in the morning wondering if you're going crazy. Maybe you've already or wondering if you've already gone crazy, if all your decisions are wrong, if uh, or if you're going to go broke. And if you don't think you can handle that kind of downward pressure on you as a person, then don't start a business. Because I don't know anybody that's been a successful founder or entrepreneur that says, oh, that never happened to me because it happened to everybody. I mean, like the same way that all investors are saying, I bet on the jockey, not the horse. You're guaranteed if you want to survive startup life, you have to have the right kind of personality to be that leader. And that leader, you mentioned that CEO or the jockey, that's the same person that, okay, so we just, we're, we're not even all the way out of a pandemic right now. And that, and the great leaders that will emerge from this figured out a way to put all that stress pressure, put it all on their own shoulders and then create cover for everyone else that worked there. And then they're also going to have to learn how to shift that back to the whole team as being, as it was them that, had that enabled the entire business to rise up like a phoenix from the ashes. So like some of the survivability of startup life, in my opinion, does come with just the general personality and you as a person, you're going to learn a lot about yourself, especially what it's like to feel the downward pressure of having a, I got 225 global employees, Stephen. like that's a lot of families. That's a lot of children. That's a lot of people. And, and they're all looking at me to make good decisions. And, and you know what, sometimes that weighs upon you and sometimes it can also really lift you up. So, you know, as we approach the end of this episode, what kind of personality types or people do you think are best suited mm for startup survivability in general
1: well i will tell you there are you need to ask yourself a couple things number one can you handle stress like you pointed out you know doing a startup is incredibly stressful like there is you know if it's not one problem it's another when you are doing a start there's always some crisis because it's a growing company. It's very fragile. Things are always changing, you are, and you are responsible for all of them. Number two, uh, you need to be very flexible. So people who like routine, like to do the same thing every day, like stability and consistency, that is not the best quality to be an entrepreneur because things aren't routine. You have to actually be the type of person who loves change, who loves it when things kind of go crazy, who wants a challenge, who wants, you know, who who wants to discover new things and doesn't mind if they're not working out. That is the personality trait you need. Number 3. You need, you know, like we said before, you need to be determined. Like you can't give up. That's different than sticking with an idea. Like sticking with an idea is one thing, but Giving up isn't give is when you just stop trying. Giving up isn't quitting one idea and trying another. That is just uh, continuing on a path, taking what you've learned and going a different direction. So, the really great entrepreneurs, they're just dogged. Like they will um you know, if they hit their head against a wall, they'll just like, "Okay, I'm going to go another direction." They hit their head against that wall, "Okay, I'm going to find a way under or over this wall." They will find everything they see. They don't see it as um, a problem they actually look at it as a challenge if you can look at all these things as challenges rather than uh, kind of problems that are burdening you you will be much more successful as an entrepreneur and then the the final quality that really makes great entrepreneurs is the ability to be curious about the world like to go into the world and actually don't accept what you see don't accept on the surface so We all believe what kind of what everybody around us is telling us. But the ones entrepreneurs who make that breakthrough, they're like, no, why is that happening? Why is that? Tell me. And they not only have this ethos in themselves, but they engage it with their employees. When they bring their teams in there, they are always challenging them to ask why. So they're, you know, their employee will come to them, and instead of saying, you know, to their employee. Oh, you did you didn't do it the way I thought you should do it. They ask why did you do it that way? What made you? They try to figure things out, put the and that gets the employee thinking, why did I do it? You know, is there a better way? Those type of people make really great innovators. Yeah, I agree really with you fully. Yeah, I think you the know there's a state.
0: couple things that uh, you know, I I loosely have been studying the characteristics that make up quote genius. Uh, for the last few years and there's this really fine and that leads to like a discussion of Mm. are you a genius or are you crazy because there's uh, this micro thin line between the two (laughs) but there are some qualities that exist now i think if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur you got and by the way these these same qualities exist for genius uh drive is a big one. You have to be driven to find answers, find solutions and and be driven mm-hmm. to get up and do it at about any time of the day because one thing you're guaranteed to run into is Murphy's law. Like Murphy's law proves itself mm. to entrepreneurs like all day every day meaning the worst stuff will happen at the least convenient time. For it to happen. So that's part of that. Like, if you like structure and stability, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this shit doesn't come with an owner's manual people. So you got to kind of write it along the way. And it's an ever changing manual too, because what you just wrote is going to change a couple other things that are qualities that stick out courage. If you don't have courage, if you're not like, if you're just kind of generally afraid, Mm. like I hear this a lot. Well, I want to start my own business. Okay. Why haven't you done it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I could lose everything. Yeah. You could also make a billion
1: dollars,
0: you know, so like nothing, if you're not ready to, I, I, if you're at a casino, they're going (laughs) to say you can't win what you don't bet. So you are going to have to do a little bit of that. And a couple other things you have devotion to goals like you got to be devoted for getting your stuff done, um, knowledge, honesty, mm-hmm. and optimism. So, that the, so when, when polling people that were innovators and geniuses, the one thing that they were asked by, by you know, I just recently mm-hmm. read a book about this and uh, uh, the author just asked a whole lot of people, what's the one quality that you would not live without? And the overwhelming answer was curiosity. And that's that that's everything from like I mentioned earlier, like that constant Mm. science experiment or looking for the crack or uh, just going out. And and as you mentioned, now, based on the prior comments you made, if you tested the market, you shouldn't be in a situation where you then have a startup that doesn't have an appropriate product market fit. And that is statistically the number one reason why startups fail. But it feels so avoidable. Like go out there and talk to, go out there and talk to people about it. So, you know, it is. Do it, people. Do it. Uh, Now, Stephen, I like to end my episodes of Startup Hustle with what I call the founders freestyle. And I say my episodes because folks. I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle, as you may be aware. We have mm. turned this into a network well over a year ago. So tune in on Tuesdays. Join Andrew Morgan's and Mark Nology, who will talk all about e-commerce and Amazon. Tune in on Thursdays for Innovate Her uh, CEO Lauren Conaway. and she tackles lots of tough topics and different stuff along the way, and make sure to tune on Fridays for our guest host series. Right now, we are in the middle of learning all about the of business and the the crazy growth changes and difficulties mm. that come from that industry. You can join Heather Steppy of the Casey Hemp Co. with that. We also, in October, will be handing over an entire week of Startup Hustle to Melissa Vincent, who is the director of Pipeline Entrepreneurs, a very well-known startup entrepreneur mentoring program here in the Midwest. Now, Stephen, with the Founders Freestyle, I'd like to just give myself and our guest a moment to talk about the things we, uh, what your takeaways from this conversation might've been, what we may have left out or anything that you might want to mention along the way. So I'll go ahead and hand the mic over to you, sir.
1: I would like to tell entrepreneurs out there that every day, new opportunities are being born. So if you think like we've, ha- we've had a lot of unicorns, there's been a lot of success you know, over the past 20 years, you know, you, it's nothing compared to what lies in the future. And that's because the internet has connected the whole world. People are building upon other people's knowledge. New ideas are literally being born every day. New technologies are opening up doors of opportunity. Every time a new technology comes into the world, you can actually take that technology and reinvent a whole business. So just stay tuned. I want to point out some of the technologies that I'm really excited about that are going to have massive opportunities. So if you're thinking of being an entrepreneur, you haven't dived in, or you've hit a brick wall, it isn't working, you realize today that, oh, you know, know, I do want to quit. I should quit. I should try something new. Because honestly, if it's not working... There's po- there are ideas out there that are multi-billion dollars ideas just waiting for somebody like you to come on and take them. Now, let me give you a few areas that are super exciting. We have all seen AI. Like AI is literally, it's like electricity. It is transforming every business on the planet. And AI is evolving too. So AI isn't going to stop. Every business can be made smarter. Every process can be made more efficient with intelligence. Intelligence is being embedded in everything in our lives. If you can figure out a way to take AI into an industry that isn't using it, boom, you and that industry has money, you have a chance of building a really solid business. Number two, it's kind of out there and it's a new technology, but it's called brain computer interfaces. These are interfaces That they're getting to the point where we can actually read people's brainwaves and actually take that information and use it in the real world. So there are companies like Facebook out there, Google, other big companies in the world, Apple, that are experimenting with this right now because they realize that the first person to actually figure out how to take useful information from your brain and connect it to the internet boom they have the next operating system the brain os like it won't be ios or android it'll be the brain os because we won't need these devices a lot of what we'll be doing in in 20 years let's say will be done directly from our minds into the internet uploading and downloading information if you want to know more about this there's a lot on founder's space i talk about all the different technologies out there let me go into a third one genetics we ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to gene editing you know crispr that allows us to basically edit genes we have uh, you know we have basically decoded the source code for life on earth so there are huge potential out there now for entrepreneurs to actually take this gene editing technology which is literally getting better every month like we are becoming more sophisticated in how we edit genes and start creating new types of plants and new types of animals that never existed before they are actually breeding cows in florida now that can withstand high heats for climate change. They're breeding crops that use much less water, much less pesticides. We are, you know, Elon Musk is going to need a whole new supply of gene edited uh, plants and animals to survive on Mars if he, you know, if he manages to colonize it. And and our bodies, like literally, we have the potential now to cure cancer and all these diseases. Those are in the pipeline. They are being developed today. They aren't here yet. But, you know, we already have gene editing technologies that can cure blindness, like people inherit a disease that causes them to go blind. We can reverse that. So we're just at the cusp of this. I encourage people to get into that. And then, of course, blockchain, you know, with the whole uh, the whole blockchain out there. You know, there's all these cryptocurrencies, but blockchain goes far beyond cryptocurrencies. There are a lot of decentralized systems that will be developed in the future that we have barely begun to conceptualize that will change the way we do business and we interact with smart contracts and everything else. Those are just a few areas yeah, I encourage that's good. That's all of you. Great stuff. Explain. I
0: had uh, honestly never considered uh, brain computer interface. So I have some notes there. You've probably kept me awake for the next couple of nights. So th- thanks a lot for that one. Um, but no, it, and it, once again with me today, Stephen Hoffman, CEO of Founderspace. Go to founderspace.com. A lot of great resources, a lot of great stuff. They have a podcast as well. Stephen's the author of three different books. Um, you just click the link in the show notes and check out the, the stuff that they offer. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it pretty simple here when it comes to survivability. I think that so. I'm 46 years old, I've been an entrepreneur maybe since the day I was born. Um, I've been doing it myself and relied only on myself and many other people that work with me. I guess I should say, not just myself, but I've made my own living for a very long time. And, you know, I I don't really know another way to do it, but people have asked me so many times, they're like, how do you get started? And it's the simplest answer. You just have to start. You have to start somewhere somehow, but you have to convince yourself and tell yourself that it's what you want to do and make it your priority. Um, you know, I I jokingly tell people, and I really do believe this. So it was about 20 years ago, I decided making money was my hobby. And I haven't worked a single day since that, you know, so it's not about money. Uh, It is in the end, money's the scorecard, but it's about your passion to solve change and improve things, including the people that work with you, in this project um you know one of the things i thought was really interesting uh was the approach of finding great people and saying hey we'll have the idea along the way um i think that that's going to be easier for some of you than it would be for others Mm -hmm. if you're already a winning jockey it should be really easy like if you can if you've already done something notable or you're an expert in your field you don't have to have even done it as an entrepreneur. You can just be a subject matter expert in something. You're going to be able to attract other people. And now, if you're on the flip side of that coin, go out there and look for other people. Go out there and look for people that, you know, one thing that someone said to me a few years ago is what, what's easier trying to climb the mountain all, by yourself or asking those on top to pull you up. And that whole, that whole, that was like a paradigm shift for me when, when that was said, I was like, holy, Wow. That's a better idea. So I've spent a lot of time looking up and yelling, hey, can I get a hand? That's the thing. Reach out to people. You will find that entrepreneurs, especially for other entrepreneurs, are maybe some of the most accessible people that you can find because someone else threw a hand over the ledge and helped pull us up. It's like a, a it's like a, just a knowledge transfer thing. I think that it's very inherent for entrepreneurs to want to help each other. And you are in a world of free help, free resources. We're coming up on 700 episodes of this show. They're all free. And if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. There you go. That's a perfect guarantee. But there's information everywhere. I posted in the Startup Hustle Facebook chat the other day. The knowledge that you seek is the only thing in between you and it is probably a Google search at this point. I mean, there is just literally... We are in a golden age of information resources help you have things like founder space. And you know, like if that's not the one for you, there's probably one right up the street, but you got to go out and look for it. You got to go find it. You got to get started whether or not you can survive it. You're going to find out. I know a lot of people that say they didn't think they would, and now they're thriving and other people that were positive that they would, that are kind of holding their heads as they're walking away from the ashes no better way to figure it out than to get started though. So I'm going to get back to getting more of my science experiments started again. So Steven, thank you so much for joining me. And for those of you listening, click the link for founder space in the show notes. I'll see you down the road, captain.